You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. If you've experienced trauma, it can feel all-consuming and overwhelming, like you're barely surviving, let alone thriving. Taylor Squelia has a powerful message of hope after her own lifelong experience with abuse, and she is vulnerably sharing her story for the first time ever on Thrive Today. In this episode, she openly talks about her ongoing healing journey and the power of partnering with God to continuously heal find peace, and rebuild a thriving life that you can truly love again. Since overcoming her trauma, Taylor has gone on to create her own thriving business, helping other women turn their passion into profit. So she also shares some practical next steps to take today if you too are looking for more fulfillment and deeper meaning in what you do. Today's episode does come with a trigger warning as we do talk about things like sexual assault and abuse. If you're feeling a bit sensitive to these topics today, please feel free to listen to a different episode of Thrive instead and come back if or when it feels right. Stay tuned through this episode. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now welcome Taylor. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Yes, girl. Welcome to Thrive. I know we share a similar passion for sharing our thoughts on thriving since you also have a thriving related podcast, which I love. Uh, but introduce yourself to introduce yourself to our Thrive audience here. So my name is Taylor Squelia. I am very much on that mission. I do have a podcast. It's called Girl, It's Time to Thrive. And I probably had to do that because you have Thrive Podcasts. But I am just uh I don't even know how to explain myself. I just am so incredibly passionate about women thriving because I think we're just so multidimensional and I know everyone is, but you could have 10 women in the room and we all have 10 different stories. We all have 10 different paths. We all have things that, you know, one person wants to be a millionaire and have the best business. And one person wants to be a mom. And so when it comes to thriving and not surviving, I think we need to have so many different conversations. And I think there should be just inclusivity in that because, I feel there's this competition that the enemy has put in that women need to compete with each other. But instead, if we just start talking about motherhood, we start talking about businesses, we talk about career, we talk about relationships, friendships, there's no room for the enemy to attack us in that. So that's my mission for that. I love that. This auto- this automatically has me thinking, you'll hear this at the very end because I ask everybody this at the end of the show, but we talk about what does thriving mean to you? And what's incredible Mm -hmm. is like in, I don't know, three, four, no, four years now of the Thrive podcast, there has literally never been two identical answers Mm -hmm. because you're right. Like it is such a unique perspective to every single person. Honestly, I think it also changes every single day for every single person. Mm -hmm. And it's like a dynamic thing that we ourselves need to give ourselves permission to flex with as we go through different seasons of our own lives. So I love that you just call that out because I think you're absolutely right. We can get so one track minded and so focused 
sometimes based on what society tells us, sometimes based on what the devil's putting in our brains, but we become so narrowed in on this one thing where we don't necessarily allow ourselves, let alone each other, the grace and the space to move throughout that and let it be all part of our story in one dynamic sort of way. So holla Mm. for bringing that up (laughs) right off the bat. Just jumping Um, in. For sure. We're here to go there. Uh, But I know I want to talk to you about something. I know you experienced something back in 2018, which was when this Thrive podcast started. So like we're going back, what, four years now and you were on a missions trip. So can you take us back and walk us through what happened and kind of the growth that you experienced in this time? Because I love when people have these like really pivotal experiences and moments where they're just like, whoa, light bulb goes off. It's a big moment and it changes everything. Mm -hmm. I love that you call it a big moment because that is exactly like, not that I want to write a book, but when I journal, I call it the big moment because there's a lot of moments and we all have big moments, but this was it for me. And so in 2018, I packed up my life. I quit my job. I went to, it was going to be a six month trip. It ended up only being three months because I had to come home because of this big moment. And I surrounded myself with the most incredible Christians. I've never experienced anything like it. It was at uh, Youth with a Mission in Perth, Australia. So we did Bible school during the day. And then in the nighttime, we focused on learning about anti-human trafficking. So I had done mission trips before. I went to Thailand and Cambodia the summer of 2017. And when I came home, nothing was right. My eyes were just like, I need more of this. I need to go back out. So that's what I did. And I really felt like I was thriving. And I remember being like, yeah, I have it all figured out. Like I am doing mission work. I'm doing anti-human trafficking. My relationship with God had never been better. And I started getting these dreams about my childhood and I had, we had this therapist who was teaching on the father of God. And I remember walking into that week. It was a whole week of teaching. And I was like, it's going to be so easy. I have such a good relationship with my family. Like all these other girls, they were so stressed. And I was like, I'm going to kill it. Like uh, my dad and I go to breakfast every Thursday. We're so close. And I kept having dreams and I kept having dreams. And he was a licensed psychologist and he worked in refugee camps and worked in anti-human trafficking. And uh, my, my face, sorry, my voice is shaky because I really don't talk about this very often, but I felt very called to tell the story today. And um, he and I sat down and we had a three hour session and we just kept praying and we kept praying. And that night I called my mom and I was like, or I sent her a text and I was like, did something happen in my childhood? And she's like, why, what are you talking about? And so the next day, we got on a call, but before that, it was the last day of the week of the training of the teaching. And in my quiet time with God, I said, you know, I'm very stubborn. It's probably my biggest thing. I'm very stubborn. I'm very much of a control freak. And I said, you know, God, I'm ready. Bring me to my knees, which you don't ask God to do that. (laughs) Like so bad. I was like, oh my God, why did I do that? Like afterwards. And we're on this call and I found out that when I was around one and a half, 
I claimed I was barely talking and I said, daddy hurts me. And my mom took him to court and it was this long battle of was they being molested? And my dad ended up winning the case. He knew everybody. He knew the judge, he knew the lawyers and he won. And the judge said, because he won, my mom was never allowed to talk about it. Well, I was getting dreams of him molesting me until I was about 11 or 12 years old. And I got, you know, when I was growing up, I found child pornography on my dad's computer that I didn't tell anyone. I just deleted it. I would delete it every week from like 12 to 18 years old. And then 18, I didn't feel safe coming back, but like there was such a block and through the grace of God, there was because how much more, how different would my life be? But here I was in Australia and I just got a flood of everything. Everything was remembered. Like I knew everything. And I finished out the trainings. It was a three-month training, but I didn't feel like I should go out into the field and work with these victims because I felt like a victim. So I came home. And that's the long story short of the next few years of life. So Dang girl. First off, thank you for opening up and sharing that because I'm sure there are so many women that have had similar experiences and have never been able to, or wanted to share their story. And that probably just feels so liberating hearing someone else who's been through something so horrible, but so similar just in knowing that they're not alone. Uh, and second can totally relate to the, um, it's a scientific reason why we literally block out trauma that's a, I mean, I've learned that through therapy myself too. And I'm sure you know this too. It's a literal trauma response. So mm-hmm. if anyone listening in is struggling where like you think that there's something there, but like you can't fully pinpoint it, it's cloudy. You're like, ah, oh, I think something happened, but I don't know. Please feel encouraged to talk to people involved and deep dive, go to therapy and dig to the bottom of it because you're not crazy. It is, it is blacked out and it is blacked out for a reason because it's literally a protective mechanism in our brains to that we that we block out literally mm-hmm. the way you described it is exactly what happens it's like it's blacked out in our brain mm-hmm. and i think like what a powerful testament to your faith and the healing power of god to let you into all of it but in such a in a way that allows you to start a healing process and to move past it and not just keep it blocked in the past but to truly heal. Do you feel like that's something that you've then been able to really pursue and do in the time since then? Yes. But let me tell you there, (laughs) I did not feel that way for the first like two years. I was like, why did you do this to me? God? Why? Like my life is great. (laughs) I was thriving. We were close. I was in the mission field. I had the best relationship with my father. And then to, so when I came home, you know, I had to tell my brother and like you said, it is a scientifically proven that people block things out, but there were a few people who looked at me like I was making it all up. And, you know, two days after I found out, you know, I was in complete shock. Like the, what shock does to your body, you hear about it, you see it in the movies and you think it's traumatized. Like that day I got up. And I laid in a dark class, my classroom, I laid on the floor and I just slept, didn't cry, didn't do anything. 
my boyfriend who we're still, we're still together. He calls me and I tell him like, it's like, like I went for a walk. I'm like, yeah. So my dad molested me all of my life since I was a baby and I'm going to go to sleep now. And he was like, what? (laughs) But that's like what shock does. And, um, then the next day I did the same thing. I slept the entire day. Like I slept for like three days straight, did not cry, did not cry. And then about a week, uh, maybe a little less than a week, like five days later, my teacher who led our group, she was like, we were talking about it and she kind of nonchalanted it. And I was like, and that was it for me. I was like, she's like, well, your dad's not dead. I was like, oh no, he's dead. He's dead to me. Like, that's that. There's no other, like, no way to like change that. Like I have to choose his death in my mind every day. Mm -hmm. And then I sent him a letter and I said, I know what you did. I know who you are. And we will have no more contact. That was it. It's just, I was so like logical. Like I just blocked everything. And then I came home and that's when truly the real healing began. I think God brought me to the safest place in the world. I mean, we got up and had quiet time every morning. We went to Bible school. We worshiped God in the afternoon. There could not have been a safer place. There's no way my dad was coming through the doors of Australia to be like, what are you talking about? So I got to lean on him. But then when I came home, it was that's where the true, like, I remember praying with my mom because my mom's a Christian. My dad is not. And um, I remember praying with my mom before I came home and she's like, I feel like you're coming home to the lion's den. And I was like, I am. I know I am. I could stay three more months. I said, but I have to look my brother in the eyes. I have to tell him what's going on because he's so confused. You know, I'm avoiding all of his calls while I'm in Australia because I'm like, he's like, why aren't you talking to dad? Like what's going on? Like super confusing. So yeah, I came home and I told my brother and then on my, that was, I came home April 1st and my birthday was in May and I thought about killing myself. I had to sleep. It was my 26th birthday. I had to sleep in the room with my mom because I was so afraid to be alone. Then I got crippling anxiety. And through this, I decided to go back to college because I did not have a college degree. So in September, so the end of the first summer, what, four months of knowing this, I went back to college full time. And everyone was like, no, no, no. And I was like, I need to do this. I need, this is something I declared before I left. I'm not giving up anything in my life because of this. And so I went back to business school. I got my degree. And through two years, I therapy every week paying out of pocket because I had no health insurance because I turned 26. (laughs) I just was so dedicated. I had to get on antidepressants for a little while and thank God, you know, by the grace of God, I I don't need them anymore, but I had to be on them because I was quote unquote, a lunatic, (laughs) just crying to not crying to like almost feeling bipolar because I just could not understand the emotions. Like of missing him, but being angry with him. And 2019, I invited him to a therapy session. 
And um, I unblocked him and I sent him a text and said, if you want to see me, this is the only, this is the time and this is the place. And he showed up. And um, my therapist is a Christian and she's amazing. She got there an hour and a half early. She had her husband get all the kids on the bus and she showed up early and she literally laid hands on the walls and just prayed over the entire room and uh, just really prepared the room. And I wrote him a letter just in case I couldn't. I wrote him a three page letter and, you know, I told him I remembered and I said, I wish I pray that you would say it out loud. I said, but I do forgive you. And I don't know if I fully meant it at the time, but I wanted it written. And I, and it was writing that letter was such a release for me. There was so much healing in it. And when he sat down, you know, he told me I was brainwashed. He told me I was in a cult that youth that YWAM that I went to a cult. I got brainwashed that I need to be in a mental institute. And, uh, I just sat there and I was like, okay, it's time for you to leave. And after that, I was finally able to, because my relationship with God was pretty rocky. I was like, I'm mad at you. I'm so angry with you. I just don't get it. So yeah, that was the first year, one year into it. First off, holy mackerel, kudos (laughs) to you for having the grace to extend forgiveness because how, after everything you went through, I feel like there's so many people who are probably going, absolutely not F that <laughs> not. And the fact that you leaned into that leaned into the healing and knew how difficult it was. And you were experiencing all of this pain and heartache firsthand. And instead of shying away, even though it was so freaking hard, you still leaned in, you still pursued healing. You still pursued the grace of the Lord to get you through and leaned on it, even when it felt so impossible. Like that is just so admirable and so encouraging to people. And especially given the reaction that you got from him, like, man, the fact that you still could stand up and and say, you know what, I can sever this connection. I forgive you, but like, goodbye. I want to highlight that for people too, because there is such an important difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Yes. I think so many people don't necessarily understand that or think, well, I can't possibly forgive them because they hurt me so bad and I can't have them in my life. Oh no, no. You can forgive them and you do not need to ever see them again or have a conversation with them ever again. Mm -hmm. So major, major kudos to you. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing to note because we need to forgive. God forgave us. He sent Jesus. He forgave us for having a sinful thought and he forgave people for murder, like sin is sin. He's forgiven. He loves us. And just holding not like not forgiving was driving me nuts. I needed to be the bigger person. I needed to, cause I knew the rumors you know, he told my aunts, he told my cousins that Taylor was brainwashed. She was in a cult and to just sit there and be like, you know what? I am pretty freaking good right now. Like <laughs> I am who I am and not holding hatred in my heart has never been who I am. And I wasn't going to let it, it was going to eat at me. And I think if you are someone that's listening right now and you have to forgive someone big or small, you don't, like she said, like Erica said, you don't need to reconcile. You do need to, at least in your heart, forgive. Yeah. 
That's incredibly powerful. What was your journey like from there then to where you are now? Because now I'm sure if people go on your social media or go on your website, it's like you're a business coach, you're killing it. You're helping other women create lives they love, turn their passions into their profits. Like you are living what so many women would look at and be like, oh my gosh, total dream where people might listen to this conversation and go, wow, never knew what lay beneath the surface. So walk us through what that period then was like of that continued healing where then you made this decision to like truly captain your own ship and turn it into something that was not only so powerful for you, but then something that you're now helping all of these other women do as well. Really it comes down to knowing your vision. I didn't even realize, you know, now I have like a full, full meaning on what that like truly means, but like I knew that God put in my heart that I was going to speak to women, that I was going to have a platform. He told me that in Australia. And I was like, I'm not going to have a platform because I'm never telling this story. And up until now, I've never publicly told this story. So (laughs) I didn't want that to be my defining moment, but I went to school and I knew that's what I was supposed to do. And I think people like to look at you know, my story, anyone's story. And they're like, oh, well, how'd you get from point A to point B? Well, this is point like X (laughs) or point whatever. This is not A to B. So I always encourage people, small steps, just keep chugging along, keep moving forward. Do not just focus on the end goal because you're not going to get to the end goal in 24 hours. So I finished school. I tried to get a job. I finished, I graduated in 2020. That was COVID. I was not getting a job. I was starting to feel myself get a little depressed because I, before I was putting my identity, I kept, I kept seeing this pattern of my identity was I was a missionary. Then my identity was I'm a full-time college student. Then my identity, I all of a sudden I was jobless. And I was like, well, what's my identity? Who am I? still kind of struggled with that. Didn't realize until the last six months, but during this time I was gifted. Uh, so I went to culinary school in my early twenties. So I was gifted a food photography course, just something to pass the time I was cooking again. And that's actually how I got onto the online space. I started posting my food recipes, my, you know, and then I started a blog and I started doing all that. And I created like a cooking course and my degree was in business. My passion is business. My passion is marketing. I was learning a whole nother side because of social media. And then women started coming to me and they're like, well, you know, food blogging is not that rewarding because I'm writing all these recipes. I'm doing all this work, but I'm not getting any money from it. How'd you make a course? How'd you do this? So then I started giving, you know, information and stuff like that. And I was like, I loved it. As much as I love to cook, I like to cook for me. I like to cook for my friends and my family. I was getting so burnt out, feeling the need to cook and create a recipe and post the recipe and make the photos pretty for such little reward. And not that, you know, if you truly love something and you don't need the money for it, great. I needed the money for it. I was like, I need a job. (laughs) I'm not being paid and I'm spending like 50, 60 hours a week doing something. And, um, so I started, I started slowly that was in February. I was getting really burnt out. So I kind of just stepped back. I didn't post a single podcast episode in February. I just trusted. 
Uh, I went back to, I finally found a church after the four years of looking and he started talking about vision. And I was like, you know, I was like, I've heard foundation, but like vision and like, oh yeah, that's what I want. But then I realized that it's so much deeper than that. It's what your driving force is. It's what your why is. It's what you're building your life upon. So it's part of your foundation, but it's what's going to keep you going. What is the vision God has for you that you and him have come together? He's spoken it to you and you're accepting it. I guess that's the best way to explain it. So I was like, well, what do I want for my life? And that's where I decided my cooking business was finally making money. So an outside world, this is a horrible decision. I was like, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to just change everything, change my whole business model, change my whole Instagram. And I'm just going to trust. I'm going to have faith. And am I, I'm still like kind of breaking even right now, but I'm like, okay, we're getting there. Like, you know, this past weekend I went up on the mountains and I was like, God, I'm not like making thousands of dollars. Like I thought you were, I thought that was a plan. And God's like your identity, like you put it back into something. So until you truly heal, until you truly allow God to be the CEO of your life, to be your business partner, to be your life partner, I think you're going to still struggle because on the outside in, yeah, you're seeing this super successful person on the inside. It's like, yeah, I, I am successful. I'm not not successful, but I'm not, to me, I'm like, well, I'm not hitting the success that I want. And it's like, because I'm not partnering with God. I took, I, he gave me this vision. He gave, he gave me permission to pivot. And then I was like, here I am. And God's like, Whoa, come back to me. Sorry. I'm talking with my hands. If you can't see me, but I'm like, it's my one thing about podcasting. So I was ahead and God was behind me saying, hold on, come back. I said, we were pivoting. I didn't say we were going full fledged sprint to marathon. So I think Yes, there's healing, there's therapy, there's the word of God, there's journaling, but really what it comes down to is you can say and do all the right things, but in your heart, if you have not allowed God in to join you, you're not going to hit the success in the quote unquote dream life that you're chasing after. Literally so good. There's three things I want to highlight that you said. One, I love that right in the beginning, you said this was a big moment, but it wasn't necessarily like the defining moment. So while you still turned your mess into your message, I feel like you, you are so intentional about not letting that be the thing that you hold onto for the rest of your life as the thing that that's who you are. So I think that's key number one, key number two, um, the fact that you said, okay, the second you start monetizing something, that's a hobby. It's not necessarily always the right step. And I feel like that's a huge misconception with so much of the online world, business coaching today, like turning your passion into your profit sounds so wonderful. And people love the idea of, yeah, I just want to wake up and like get paid to do what I love every day. But you forget that there's some sort of beautiful intimacy and joy that can come from having something that's just for you or just for you with your closest friends. Actually, one of my mentors um, worked with me so much on this where we just kind of literally broke down the things in your life and you're like, all right, is this for everybody? Like this is the, the thing I'm supposed to monetize, my job, whatever. Is this something that I'm just sharing with my close family and friends? It's not my job. I'm not getting paid to do it, but it's something I'm still sharing to some capacity. 
or is this just for me? Is this something that the Lord has given me just as like something for me to enjoy, something to bring me into a deeper relationship with him, with others, with myself, with whoever, and being able to differentiate that is so key because especially for us driven women, I think right away, I know for me, my whole thing would be like, it used to be, all right, how can I monetize it? Mm -hmm. Like, how can I turn it into something that is a revenue stream, something making money, but you're right. Like you sometimes lose a little bit of joy along the way in that process, which isn't necessarily how it's meant to be. So, um, that's huge. And then your, what you said all about, partnering with God along the way. So good. And so key, because I think sometimes in today's world, especially we can become so fixated on moving targets of success and everything ends up being not enough. Even if that's not our original goal or intention, it might just be something where like we hit the goal and then the target all of a sudden moves and we are on a treadmill with a carrot that just keeps on going and we can never fully reach it. And like years of our life will pass by and we realize at our core, we are unf- ultimately unfulfilled. Even if on the surface or on paper, we are checking off all the boxes and seem like the ultimate boss, babe, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And then that is just something to really reflect on because you've been there. I've been there. And like, man, even if you're not someone who is already a Christian, I think there's just something really to be said about looking for that deeper meaning and letting God into your heart because the moving targets of earthly success will always be there and they will always be moving. So mm-hmm. if you have something to root you into something deeper, ooh, important. <laughs> it really is. For sure. it's, it's something that I think we forget about because social media is such a big part of our life. We wake up, we roll over, we see people, we see people doing the X, Y, and Z and this and that, you know, I've, and we forget that there's struggles. We forget that there's a, the real world. We are living in the real world. And sometimes we just want to hit what someone else is doing, but it's not part of our journey. That's not one of our successes. And unless it's part of your vision and that's something you really want, you still need to do the appropriate steps to get there. Yeah. Well, we're all for appropriate steps over here. So drop (laughs) us some practicals for the ladies listening in who do have that dream on their heart, who want to take action, make plans, monetize what they love, but they want to do it with this intention and with this mindfulness. What would you say should maybe be like her first three steps? sit down and take a notepad. And I do this in like, I do a vision workshop like twice a year. I went, I did it once and I'm doing it again this year because it's so prominent, but I'll tell you what the questions are. First off, what are you afraid of? Cause you have to get your fear out of the way. If you cannot face your fears in the, like in the face, they're going to continue to conquer you. And this is not a one-time thing. This is like, you really need to get deep So if you are a Christian, pray to God, what am I afraid of? If you're not a Christian, just sit down and be like, look inside your heart and be like, what is it that I need to get over? What is holding me back? And I'll do the three questions as part one, because I don't want to give them all away. Um, And then once you know what you're afraid of, what does success look like to you? What does thriving look like to you? What do you want your daily routine to be like? 
You know, do you, if you're a mom, do you want to work three hours and then have the afternoons with your kids? You know, we all have different ideas. Like we said, we've said twice already today. So first question is, what are you afraid of? Second question is, what are the six, what does success look like in your daily routine? And then how can I get my message out? So for some people, that's social media. There's still a real world out there. You can join PTOs. You can do workshops in your town. You could be a local small business. So there's so many different ways, but you need to know what your vision is. And there's so much more that goes into that. But those are the first three things that I always tell people or ask people. You have to get clear on that before you can even hit high levels. And then the next thing is once you know where you want to base your message, online, in community, whatever, maybe it's a mixture of both. How are you going to show up? What feels good to you? Put down the marketing books, put down the marketing podcasts. You don't even have to listen to me that much, but like what feels good to you? Am I posting on social media five times a week? Am I selling five times a week? Am I going to, you know, do podcasts, do what, like, how do you want to get that message out? And then really dedicate yourself six months to a year. This is not a one month thing. Don't, don't be that person who shows up for 30 days and was like, well, I didn't, nothing happened. Give your, like play the long game. And then the third thing is be in tune with yourself. So, like I said, I had a cooking business, loved to cook. There was no joy in it for me. Don't be afraid to pivot listen to your body. You are the most important person in your world. It's not your kids. It's not your husband. It's not your best friend. You have to be your number one priority and not in a selfish way, but in a way that I'm going to look out for myself so I can refill my cup and give to others because you cannot be a good coach, a good mentor, a good friend if you're not. So once you know your vision, once you're willing to commit to getting your message out there, keep an eye on you do not burn out. A burnt out person is not going to thrive. A burnt out person is not going to give good advice. So whatever that looks like, you know, if if you have a candle making business, you still can't be burnt out because you're not going to want to make candles. You're not going to want to sell them. You're not going to want to show up. If you are a business coach, like I am, I can't give my best to my clients and encourage them if I'm burnt out. So those are the three things I know there, there's so much more that goes into it, but you are just starting vision, committing to the long game and keeping an eye on yourself is going to be how you, how you go and you hit new levels of success. So good. And I love the differentiation between, um, really tuning into what feels right for you, because I think, especially like you mentioned, social media, it can be so easy to just get on a news feed and start scrolling and see what everyone and her mother is doing. And chances are, while there might be some overlap, it's all going to be different. And they're all doing it for different reasons. Everybody has a different why. Everybody has a different story, different background. It's not nece- what works for her is not necessarily what works for you. And it's not necessarily what's meant for you. So I think putting your blinders on and like you said, constantly checking in with yourself too, as to like, how am I, am I, is this filling my cup or is this draining my cup and finding that good balance between what you have to do and what you really want to do. Oh man, that's, that is what will enable you to keep going on those hard days when you are at that 30 day mark and you're like, I'm not seeing anything or at that six month mark or at that, I don't know, six year mark, you know, mm-hmm. when like 
things lull and things happen. And you're like, man, why am I doing this? Do I stop? Do I pivot? What do I do? You need the stamina. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. great tips there, girl. Thank you. <laughs> For the seasoned entrepreneur in the house, how can she maybe check in with herself today on maybe some aspect of her business or her mindset that maybe has been overlooked on the daily grind and she's realizing it now, like, Ooh, I should probably give myself some TLC in this area. Do you have any like quick tips or recommendations for her? Yeah, I actually did a Q&A yesterday and someone asked last night was, how do I keep the momentum as my business is growing, but my time is dwindling? So here's the thing, boundaries. You need to have boundaries. Like it goes into that selfish thing. Your clients, you need to have boundaries with your clients. You need to have boundaries with your team. If you have a VA or you have a team or, you know, if you're that, if you're seasoned enough to have people under you, you still need to have boundaries. You can still be a good leader with the boundaries. So boundaries are really important, especially if you are someone who takes on -on one-on-one client or group clients, let them know ahead of time. It might, even if you're like two, if you're like two weeks into dealing with some, working with someone and you're like, oh my God, they don't res- like, they don't respect after like 7 PM or 8 PM. Do not feel discouraged to share it, you know, share it from a place of love, but yes, definitely boundaries. And then productivity. If you are feeling like you're tiptoeing burnt out, look at your productivity, productivity. We all are different in the way that we plan stuff, but something that has really worked for me, especially in the months where I was recovering from burnout was pick three to five tasks for the week. Because think of things that are moving your business along. The small stuff is important. The big stuff is important, but what are three to five things that you can do that you're like, you know what? I worked on my business this week. I was able to move forward in it because if you think if you have to do three to five things a day and you're tiptoeing burnt out burnout, you're going to do it. So three to five tasks for a week, especially if you're tiptoeing burnout, you can up that if you feel like, okay, I can do more than this, but listen to yourself, be in tune with yourself in that area. So amazing. Yes. So getting things wrapped up. I know we talked about this quick in the beginning as well, but now I'm even more excited to hear your answer. So have to ask you, what does thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? So for me personally, thriving means I am listening to my body. I am listening to my mental health. I am making moves towards that big vision. So like I said, that three to five productivities, you know, there are days where I'm like five things like that is so simple. And there are days where if I can just get one big task down, you know, record a podcast. And so it's just really being really in tune with myself where I am right now, really trusting God in my business. I have really put him on the sidelines and now I'm really asking him to not just be the head coach, but like to come into the game with me. So that is something new for me and I'm excited. I'm excited about this partnership. So it's letting him lead, whatever that means, if that means pivoting, if that means going, if that means slowing down. So that's really where thriving is for me right now. And yeah, for everyday life, it's, it's getting up and it's moving my body and being honest on social media, being raw. I posted something last week where I was like, I didn't hit my August revenue goal. What does that mean? 
And I remember someone who was close. She was, she wasn't being rude. She's like, as a business coach, I've never seen someone publicly say that. And I was like, I'm so sick of people being like, you're so successful. You're amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Cause then it's like, you're putting me on a pedestal. I don't deserve mm-hmm. to be up. There. I'm not, I'm not on a pedestal. So for me, it's being raw. It's having honest conversations with my clients, having honest conversations with women who just slide into my DMS. You don't need to be my client. I want to have that conversation with you. I want to be, you know, I do have a story and I do have the mess that turns the message, as you said earlier. And I'm not trying to say like I'm a role model, but like I have gone through stuff and instead of hiding it, God has really been like, like I wasn't sure if I was going to share the story today, but I felt permission to, I felt like it's time. It's time to start having this conversation where we don't have to be defined by that. So that's where thriving is for me right now. It's having these honest conversations. It's moving forward every day in my business, moving forward with God. I love that. And I think there's just such a theme of authenticity for you too, which is if, if you are someone who is on social media, especially, and you're feeling a disconnect between how you're showing up and presenting yourself and literally storying and creating this story online. And you feel in your heart that it's a little bit different than how you are really feeling reflect on that. And maybe that means, maybe that means some shift needs to happen because I think the fact that you can sit there too and say, you know, in your, you're in your DMS with girls who are not your clients are not necessarily helping the bottom line of your business, so to speak. We forget sometimes that there's just way more to life than the bottom line of a business. Mm-hmm. And your story has the power to impact so many people, even people who aren't actually engaging with you outright, but who are just bearing witness to what you do and who are just watching from the sidelines. So remember that and let that be encouragement to keep showing up authentically, even when it's hard and even when you're uncomfortable and it doesn't necessarily feel pretty and sparkly and shiny and wonderful because it's still important and it's still relevant and helpful for people. And that is, that's the, that's the tea right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is. Yes, (laughs) for sure. Well, Taylor, I can't thank you enough for coming on thrive for sharing your story. I feel so honored that you leaned into it and shared it with everyone here today, because I have full faith. It's going to be a real game changer for so many women. So I just want to thank you for your your authenticity and your vulnerability with us and would love for you to share with everyone where they can find you online to connect with you more, learn about your services and all that good stuff. So I am always on social media. My, my last name is kind of hard, but it's at Taylor Squelia. So you can find me there. You can DM me. You can just follow from the sidelines if you want, whatever you want. I am a very, I'm a very different business coach. I'm never going to poach anyone. I love to just have authentic, like you said, authentic conversations are really important to me, building up women. So you can always find me there. My website is just www.taylorscalia.com. And that's always, you can find my available programs or workshops. I am hosting a vision workshop soon. I haven't even like built it out yet, but I am going to be hosting it soon. Um, An end of the year one. I just felt like it was time to do another one. And yeah, they're wonderful. If you are someone who's struggling with what is my vision, where do I want to go? It's amazing. I did one in May. Yeah, May. Women were crying. Women were coming together. It was a really cool experience of sisterhood and 
so much authenticity, so much revelation someone, you know, not my client, not a paying client. I do it from free. And she built out a vision board. She prayed over it. Like I told her to for, and two weeks later, she passed her real estate board and got a job. So like there's power in your vision. There's power when you come partner with God in that. So yeah. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.